Was good, Double Dribble Gang. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Harper. You can reach me on Twitter at, at HarperNation24. And I was going to record direct immediately after the game um, this past Sunday, but I just couldn't. I wanted to let the raw emotions get out. I wanted to think about it, see how things transpired, and just go off of that. I didn't want to just make a raw episode, which probably would have been pretty entertaining based on how I was feeling that night. But now I'm prepped, I'm ready, and... To be honest, I'm still disappointed four days later. There's no denying that. I'm pretty sure all Alabama fans are because Alabama was so close. This is one of their best teams that they've had in probably two decades, and they were right there at the Sweet 16 against an 11 seed, albeit UCLA, really good team, really good players. Ended the season on a four-game losing streak, lost to Colorado after blowing a 15-point lead in the second half, who ended up – you know, go into the Sweet 16 themselves. So, obviously not a bad team to lose to, but the fact that you had nothing but double-digit seats to play the first three rounds, it's disappointing to lose in the Sweet 16. And after watching the UCLA-Michigan game the two days, two days later, and UCLA ended up defeating Michigan, I mean, UCLA's got the biggest or the best free-throw shooting defense I've ever seen. Because Michigan, BYU, and Alabama, their past three opponents, both shot miserably from free throw line, and they also shot miserably from the three-point line. Probably the worst all three teams have shot against anybody else the rest of the year. But kudos to Mick Cronin and his squad. Got a great defensive team. And, I mean, that goes back to him coaching at Cincinnati. So that's just his mindset. But I'm going to break down this game a little bit. I'm going to go over some recruiting some recruiting news, and kind of see how this transfer portal, who's where the names are up to 1,100 names now in the transfer portal. Hard to keep up, hard to see who Alabama's going to go after and kind of just break down this roster um, going into next season. So into this game, Alabama jumps out to a 19-7 to lead, and you thought Alabama would kind of just coast because they went down 7-1, to and then they just went on a tear. I mean, they went on a 17-2 to run, and you thought Alabama would just take control. But UCLA stormed back, ended up taking the lead, and had a 40-29 to lead at halftime. Alabama ended miserably that, that half, and it, it looked pretty bleak at that point on how Alabama was shooting, how they were playing. UCLA was making everything. But the second half, you knew Alabama would make a comeback. They came back and made, had an 11, 11 to nothing run to make it 40-40. to before even the first media timeout. So Alabama storms back, takes the lead, and it's just back and forth after that. And came down to the end, and it came down to free throws, where Alabama finished 11 of 25 overall from the free throw line. And, I mean, that's where that's where the game was lost. You can point to a lot of different variables and a lot of different scenarios of how things would have been different. Tiger Campbell should have got a call, charge call. Um, against Herbert Jones late in that game that put them up by one, and it shouldn't even got down to free throws after that. But going 11 of 25 from the free throw line and then shooting as bad as they did from from the three-point line, it was – that was the difference in the game. I mean, they shot 25% from the three-point line and 44% from the free throw line. 
that's not going to win a game in the Sweet 16. The fact that they were there, right there, about to win the game, shooting that terribly, just shows how good of a defensive team and effort that this team puts together. Okay, so there's not much else to say to this. Free throws, turnovers cost them, 14 turnovers in the game, and shooting poorly from three. John Petty had a good second half. Javon Quinterly led the team in scoring as he typically does, uh, had 20 points. But I felt really bad for Herb Jones ending the game one for four from the free throw line in the final minute and a half. I mean, he had a chance as a senior, as the SEC player of the year, to push Alabama into the Elite Eight. And unfortunately, that's just how it goes sometimes. Basketball can be basketball can be torture. I mean, it can put you in the torture chamber, and it put Herb Jones in it. Uh, he didn't have a good game at all. I mean, he had eight points and nine rebounds, did great defensively. But when it came down to free throws, where he has been very much improved this season, shooting slightly above 70%, but he just couldn't do it when it mattered. And I really hate it for him. I hate he went out that way because that that guy put his heart and soul into Alabama basketball. The big moment for Alex Reese when he hit the game-time three to send in the overtime at the buzzer. Incredible shot, incredible play design to get it to Javon Quinterly just in front of half court, take one dribble, stay his distance away from the players that were probably trying to foul him, and then just kick it to Reese right across the timeline, and he just sunk it like it was nothing. I mean, you knew it was going in once he left his hand. So big moment for him. The only shot he made in the game, but he made it count. And at that point, I thought Alabama was going to roll in overtime with Hami Haquez, who ended up really making an impact in this game. But he fouled out right before the end of regulation. and Or Johnny Juzang, I'm sorry. Johnny Juzang fouled out right before the end of regulation. But Jaime Haquez and Cody Riley and David Singleton were just too much overall. And Jules Bernard were, I mean, they were a terror in overtime and just jumped out to a seven-point lead. And they nearly scored more in OT than he did. they did in the second the second half, scored 23 in overtime and 25 in the second half. So overtime wasn't kind to the Tide, and that's ultimately what sent them home um, in the Sweet 16. So nothing to hang their head about. They finished with a great season, SEC tournament champions, SEC regular season champions, had the SEC player of the year, SEC defensive player of the year, two first-team all-SEC players, and Herb Jones finished in the finalist for the Naismith or the defensive player of the year. He was a Naismith finalist. Nate Oates, I mean, Nate Oates was coach of the year finalist. I mean, there's a lot of accolades Alabama had, but ultimately they ended short of what their goal was and left the tournament way too soon. And I felt like this team had a Final Four run in them, but ultimately that's basketball, win or go home. That's the excitement of the NCAA tournament. So we're going to move on from this game and kind of talk about recruiting, the recruiting class coming in, what transfers we can expect out of the program and what transfers we can expect to come in. And there are a lot of players out in the the transfer portal, like I mentioned. So, obviously, you're going to see a lot more players transferring out of their schools. The schools probably want that. I mean, 
it's kind of it's just a weird situation right now. And just like Memphis, pretty much their starting five is transferring. I mean, you got Damian Ball, you got Boogie Ellis, you got DJ Jeffries, you got all these guys transferring, and I mean, they just won the NIT championship. I mean, they had a pretty good postseason run. They're going to have a good team next year, and then you see half their team transfer. That's unheard of. Like, you don't see that ever. But we're in unprecedented times with the pandemic and the transfer rules that are going into place. And a lot of kids are just, they want out and they want to go somewhere else. I mean, if they if that's a, within the rules, then, I mean, by all means, use it to your advantage. And these kids are. So we're looking at the recruiting class. Obviously, you got J.D. Davison, six foot three point guard, top ten player in the country according to twenty four seven, and arguably the number number one point guard in the country in this class. Super athletic. I compare him to kind of a mix of Derrick Rose and Russell Westbrook, and he's going to be exciting. And not saying that he's going to be as good as those guys, obviously, but he has the athletic ability of those guys at the point guard position. He has a great passing, great vision. He can work on his shot, but in terms of athleticism, he's off the charts. And you're going to see some highlight plays in Coleman Coliseum for the next year or so. Then you have Langston Wilson, who's 6'9", Juco player out of Georgia, who's an athletic freak as well. Just think, try to think of like a more athletic Dante Hall if you can. Okay, Langston Wilson isn't as polished as what Hall was when he left, but his athleticism, his rim-running ability is going to add much-needed front-court help and depth to this team. And finally, you got Jusain Holt from Georgia, top 100 shooting guard or small forward. He can shoot the ball. He's probably going to be a four-year role player, three- or four-year role player if he lasts that long, um, but he does have pretty good potential. And in this offense, he could be very useful having his six foot six frame and his shooting ability. If he could learn how to play defense, get a little bit bigger, I could see him being a role player down the road. But I don't see him as an immediate impact player. Now, going into the possible last signing of this uh, recruiting class to put the bow on it, would be 6'11, former five star, just dropped out of the five star status, Charles Bidiaco from IMG Academy, originally from Canada. Okay, he's very good friends with Keon Ambrose Hilton, who is on Alabama squad, and Joshua Primo. Charles Bidiaco was supposed to commit back in December, and then it was January, and then it was February, and then it was supposed to be the end of March for sure. He still has not committed. So now it's April, and the late signing period is about to end. And obviously, he can wait as long as he wants to. But I think Charles Bidiaco will select Alabama. But when? Who knows? But I think ultimately, he will end up selecting Alabama and being the final recruit in this signing class and will likely propel them to a top 10 finish in the recruiting rankings on 24-7. Now, now that we have the recruiting class finished, it's time to talk about the transfer portal. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's no telling who might leave the program. There may be surprise departures from this program. There were surprise departures from a lot of programs around the country that probably fans from those teams didn't expect. 
Take Memphis, for example. Nobody expected that. Okay? So you're looking at our roster. James Rojas is the number one player that you that comes to your mind, or my mind at least, that could be a possible transfer. His minutes started dwindling down near the end of the season into the into the postseason. Hardly played at all in the NCAA tournament, barely in the SEC tournament. I just think that the fit isn't right. I know that he was a former Buffalo commit when Nate Oates was still there and he followed Nate Oates here. But I just don't see him fitting in. He hasn't played well since he's been here, and I think he'll end up going somewhere else, probably up north, to try to find a team that has a better fit for him. Now, that would open up one spot available on the, on the roster. And the number one player that people are talking about for Alabama is Namari Burnett. Now, Alabama fans would be would recognize, recognize that name solely on that Alabama recruited him back in the class of 2020, two years ago, but finished second to Texas Tech. He's a former five-star guy, dropped to a four-star, top 35 prospect, 6'4", combo guard, can play point, can play shooting guard. I think he's a future NBA player one day if he can figure out his the offense side of his ball or offensive side of the ball and find consistency there. I think he's a really good defender, better athlete than what people think. But Texas Tech swooped in the last week of his recruitment and stole him from Alabama. And I was kind of shocked by that because I didn't think he fit Texas Tech's style of play very much. And now you hear Chris Beard leaving to go take the Texas head coaching job, which is, a, in my opinion, a great move for him, obviously getting a lot more money. But Namari Burnett decided to transfer a third of the way through the season and didn't play the rest of the year. Namari Burnett would be a humongous addition to this Alabama team because it adds length, some more length in the backcourt, can play a little bit of small forward if, needed, if he needed to, can be another ball handler on the court to take pressure off of J.D. and Javon Quinterly. And I think Nate Oates will develop him very well on the offensive side because Damari Burnett can create his own shot, he can attack the basket, and he can spot up from three. And that's exactly what Nate Oates wants. So at that point, Alabama's class or Alabama's roster would be full. Could somebody else transfer? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm not sure who that would be. There are just so many players transferring out of colleges, it would surprise me if we only had one transfer out. So Alabama's reaching out to a lot of different guys that are um, and still that's still in the transfer portal. Myron Jones is one to keep an eye on. Point former point guard at Penn State, averaged 15 points a game there. Originally from Birmingham, I believe he went to Huffman High School. But he's another guy that Alabama's kind of been talking to. So that lets me know that they're keeping all their options open. So there could possibly be somebody else that would transfer out um, of the program. But that's all I had on the recruiting side, on the roster side. Alabama's going to be absolutely stacked. Okay, Their backcourt is going to be insane. It's probably going to be the deepest and the best backcourt in the SEC. When you think about, you have Javon Quinterly, who was averaging probably close over 20 points in postseason play at the end of the season against high-level competition. 
You got Jaden Shackerford, who's led Alabama in scoring two years ago. Came close, to, if if not, I hadn't looked at the stats or have them in front of me, but he was pretty close to leading the team and scoring again from the shooting car position. You got Keon Ellis, who had a lot of big game experience, started half the season down the stretch. Okay, you're going to add J.D. Davison, top 10 player in the country. If you add Namari Burnett, that's a former five-star that's going to be in the backcourt as well. I mean, that's just a loaded backcourt. Loaded backcourt. The front court's going to be raw. It's going to be a little thin, especially with experience. But you add somebody like Alex Chiku, 6'11 guy that reminds a lot of people of Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo. Coming off of Achilles' injury, he would have been a massive addition to this team this year because of the lack of front court depth that we had. Because they had to play Alex Reese and James Rojas a lot because James Bru- or Jordan Bruner was injured half of the season due to his knees. So having Alex Chiku there would have been a huge boost. But adding him into this cl- or into the roster uh, to play next year, hopefully he stays healthy. Then you'd have possibly Charles Bidiaco. Langston Wilson will be another guy. Jawan Gary played a lot of the five at the end of the season and did a great job of defending and offensive rebounding around the basket. I think he has a chance to really elevate his game if he can develop an outside shot, an outside game, because sky's the limit for him if he can do that. I mean, he's a good defender, good down low. If he can develop an outside shot, that would be huge for this team. Okay, this team's going to be really exciting to watch. It's going to be fun. You're going to see a lot more alley-oops this year. I don't think you're going to see a lot of the ball sticking in hands as much as you probably did this year. Because no offense to Herb Jones or John Petty. They carried this team a lot throughout the year. But it seemed like a lot of the times when they were in, the ball would kind of get stuck it wouldn't move as well. Herb Jones dribble. He would try to dribble drive a lot. John Petty was just a catch-and-shoot shooter for most of the season. He did start developing a um, a slashing game there halfway through into the latter part, started being more aggressive. Well, a lot of times this year, the offense would kind of get stagnant and start just letting the ball sit. I don't think you're going to see that next year. There's a lot of unselfish players on this team, a lot of willing passers, a lot of movement. There's still going to be a lot of camaraderie um, with this, a lot of these players. So you're going to see this roster really flourish under Nate Oates' system. And this is going to be all Nate Oates' roster. I mean, outside of Jaden Shackford and Juwan Gary, who Avery Johnson did recruit, but Nate Oates had to recruit them back, this is going to be his whole roster, okay, with Herb Jones and John Petty gone. So this – this team has a chance to be better than this past this past year's team, and that's saying something because this past year's team was one of the best in two decades for Alabama. So people are going to want to get their popcorn ready for this game or for this team and go out and support the team at Coleman Coliseum, hopefully have full crowds because Coleman Coliseum deserves to see a team like this. It's been a long time coming. And I was in the last – or at Coleman Coliseum for the years of the last really good teams – I'm at the end of the Mark Godfrey era. So I'm excited for this team. I really hate how it ended against UCLA, but the future is definitely bright, especially after the contract extension for Nate Oates with that 
insane buyout that hopefully none of the Blue Bloods would come calling for him if um, you know North Carolina came open today, but I highly doubt they'd go after Nate Oates. So hopefully Alabama can keep Nate Oates for a long time. Hopefully they can get him a new arena and give him reason to stay because he has really changed Alabama's culture in basketball and really energized his fan base, which needed it desperately. So that's all I have today. I'm sorry it took so long after after the game. I just wanted to kind of gather my thoughts and um, record a few days after to kind of you know let things settle a little bit. But I passed EdTPA. I'm a certified teacher now. I'm super pumped about that. I know that's just a little personal side side note, um, but I've been trying to become a teacher for the past seven years so I can start coaching basketball and coaching other sports. Teaching is a passion of mine, and working full-time and doing this um, is taking a little longer than what I wanted, but today I found out that I did pass EdTPA, which is the teacher certification um, project that I had to complete. So now all I have to do is finish the last month of my semester, and I can begin my future career as a teacher. Now, I appreciate y'all tuning in today to the Double Dribble Podcast. As always, my name's Jordan Harper. Catch me next time. Hopefully, I'll re- get to record sometime next week. Hopefully, have some recruiting news. So until then, adios.